0: Wow, do we have a show for you today. I I'm going to ask you to turn up the radio, sit close cuz you're going to hear something I think is really going to be helpful for you and your family. What about a concept of being free from habitual sin? What about a concept of how do you even deal with it or in your own life or with other members of your family? What does that look like? What is habitual sin? Or what's the word they use sometimes, Darren, where people do it on purpose? Um, sins of commission. Commission. There you go. Those kind.
1: The Great Commission? Right. Or is that different than the Great Commission?
0: <laughs> <Is that the laughs> well,
1: great Commission.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to take a deep dive into the 51st Psalm, but we're going to set it up a little bit um, with a clip from, I it, most people know this show as Everybody Loves Raymond, but I renamed it Everybody Loves Shame, because when you listen <laughs> to what's going on here, with a discerning ear, they're using the carrot of shame to try to motivate everything. From you, you'll hear of something about Deborah, you know, making microwave, <laughs> you know, and she's going to be shamed into, you know, hopefully cooking better for Raymond. Yeah, and, and you're going to hear about you know why you ought to go to my church mm-hmm. and you're going to hear about why you shouldn't curse and again mm-hmm. the whole idea is we are going to use shame to drive behavior and it's so ridiculous isn't it that that you just laugh that's all you can do
1: well yeah it's it's uh it's the reason everybody i guess liked that show that that did like it is because you can laugh at the stupidity of guilt and shame pretty much constantly in that show and So we apologize if this clip offends you, but we're gonna play it anyway. It's shameful.
0: Well, I hope everybody likes Pizza
2: Pockets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Marker appetizers.
3: I should have thought of that before I started tomorrow's Easter dinner from scratch. That
0: reminds me, we don't wanna miss the morning's worship Uh, Do you know of any good Presbyterian churches around here? I left my directory at home.
3: We were thinking that it would be easier if we all went to our church. You mean your Catholic
0: church? Yeah. Problem? I don't know.
1: Why not, Hank? It's interesting to observe other denominations.
3: Yeah, it'll be like a safari for you. (laughs) Who knows? On the way, we might even spot a herd of Lutherans.
0: (laughs) Robert, your dad's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, always with the jokes. Okay, who else would like to talk?
2: Oh, if it's all right. Peter said
0: he'd be joining us tomorrow. Oh, good. Peter's coming. I had my fingers crossed. (laughs) Can I watch TV now? No, Frank. Then what the are we going to do all night? Less cursing, I hope. Who cursed? You referred to the antipode of heaven.
3: What the kind of moon man talk is that?
0: Well, there it is again. <laughs> yeah, so there it is again.
1: There's more <clears throat> posing and shame in that clip than just about all the clips that you've probably played in the last several months. But um, I think Frank's the only genuine guy in the whole group. Uh, he's dumb as a rock, obviously, yeah. <laughs> and doesn't understand that he's got this habitual sin problem going on with his language. But... Um, we're not going to talk about that, so
0: yeah, well, in order to set up the fifty first psalm a little bit better because we we just wanted to give you an idea of what shame and guilt felt like you yes know, on a family level, you know, kind of when you're just poking around the
1: Thanksgiving meal at your house.
0: This next clip is not a Thanksgiving meal at your house. Here we have a tragic tragic situation, not unlike if you 're a little bit familiar with the fifty first psalm Darren, you can set it up what's what's what brought about the fifty first psalm?
1: Well, the 51st Psalm is David's psalm of repentance is the way that most of us have read it in the past. And and uh, David actually says when he commissions this to be written down for the director of music, a psalm of David, so there's a lot of purpose here, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And that was actually put in the canon. That's not just a little highlight Right, kind of what's like, going on in the verse this is the commentary
0: this is David, right this right.
1: is not commentary this is part of scripture right here and so this was meant to be canonized with the chapter with the psalm and so this is David's psalm of repentance after Nathan had confronted him about his sin of murder and adultery and um right, so, he is beginning to deal with that
0: so as we crawl around in that a little bit and again, I know this clip's a little bit hard to listen to, What you're going to hear, but it's a pastor. This, this, this is a man that, you know, obviously devoted his life, clearly saved, you know, I think. When you listen to the clip, you get that picture.
1: Yeah, the jury's out.
0: The jury's out. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, he, he, he falls. He falls really, really yeah, hard. Yeah. And, well, I guess the best thing to do is just have a listen.
3: Uh, well, my name's Nate Larkin. I'm a guy who was raised in church, born to the ministry, uh, destined in that direction, and wound up in the ministry. Uh, I was on my way to lead a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. Uh, It was just beginning to rain, and I picked up a girl who was walking along Broward Boulevard in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, uh, telling myself I was going to help her get out of the rain and the cold. I did not know that she was a street woman. Until she propositioned me, and uh, her price happened to match the twenty-dollar bill I had in my wallet—the one that was supposed to go in the the offering plate—and and and I said yes. I had fantasized about um, sex with somebody other than my wife through pornography, Uh, and now I. I was living the fantasy except it was a pretty, the the actual experience was very squalid. It didn't match the illusion at all, but there was enough pleasure there along with this cocktail of shame and self-hatred and guilt. And the worst part about that night for me, uh, worse than looking into the trusting face of my wife and kids and my parishioners and my friends uh, there on, you know, the holiest of nights. Worse than all of that was the 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 knowledge that I was going to do it again.
0: Uh, that habitual sin is like, oh my, I am an, in a trap. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm in a trap. Mm-hmm. And and the feeling of facing your wife and kids and the people that you lead in the church and all that. That's a little bit of a sense of what you got here. But Dave, uh, Darren, take us into where, you know, briefly, you know, how you got here. When you're a pastor in a, in a church, and next thing you know, your, your world got rocked. Well,
1: yeah, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about, you know, how do you deal with sin in your family? Um, how do you deal with a, a child, uh, maybe a mate who's had an adultery, uh, an adulterous relationship? Um, how do you deal with a child who's addicted to drugs, or just, you know, maybe maybe they're just habitually disrespectful and hateful and angry and uh or or somebody who's depressed and tried to commit suicide and um you name it an alcoholic uh a a child who's having trouble in school and you can't figure out how to get them to do their homework you can make this as as simple or as complicated and, and intertwined with whatever kind of uh Sinful situation as you want to, but ultimately that's what we've been talking about. And so the the point here is in in asking God and and seeking you know. So how do we deal with that? Um, it's it's the hardest thing in the world to treat those people with grace. It it, it is it, for me it is. Um, and yet. Uh, how can i do that and and god basically says well you know yourself right i mean <laughs> you you know what kind of grace i give you all the time right and and brought me to psalm 51 but a, a number of years ago that was recently a number of years ago um i was a, a preacher in a in a little church um very very rigid um uh,
0: you can call it legalistic uh, was
1: perhaps legalistic um, in their views and in my views. I didn't realize that I was a legalist um, at the time. I didn't realize that I was pastoring a church full of legalists uh, at the time. And I don't mean that in a in a snarky way towards them at all. I don't. A lot of wonderful, loving people. Um, however, when you are caught up in uh, religious legalism, you don't realize it. Um, and so I'm reading through scripture, I'm studying through the Psalms and I think I even was stupid enough to like say, you know, what Psalms do y'all want to study over the next, I'm going to do a series on the Psalms. What's your favorite ones? And we'll talk about them or something like that. And, and somehow or another, God lassoed me into Psalm 51. And so as I was reading Psalm 51, um, the verses that grabbed hold of me and just, really stuck with me were verse 10 and 11. And verse 10 is create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Simple enough, seemingly. And then verse 11, do not cast from me or do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Well, pretty simple verses. And yet, as I got to looking at those in a little more detail, I began to figure out how deeply those things were rooted in grace and how far from grace I was living my life at the time.
0: Now, I like the way you put it a little bit earlier tonight. We were talking that that 11th verse, you know, don't pull your Holy Spirit from me, is, is we were thinking... That once you've done that stuff, immediately the Holy Spirit and all that is pulled away. So what does this mean? You said it literally kind of drilled you down into the ground. What is How could this be? How could he be asking for this when clearly God be long gone by now?
1: Yeah, I said. would be long gone, so why wouldn't God? Right. And yet said. God stayed with David, and we'll talk about that after the oh, break. Oh, we
0: got so much coming up. Stay tuned. It's a Masculine Journey Advanced Boot Camp. Advanced Freedom, Advanced Healing, Advanced Walk with Jesus. If you've attended two or more Masculine Journey Boot Camps or Ransom Heart Boot Camps, then you qualify for this Advanced Boot Camp. Talk about advanced adventure. This camp is at Treetop Adventures on Lake Hickory, including aquatic sky boots. You could be flying on water. Coming up this August 17th through 19th, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org and register today. that love continues Darren that's like what you know I've, I've I've murdered somebody I've you know set their you know taken their wife as my own raising this child not told anybody been in habitual sin obviously now for some time and I've been confronted with it you know we have or I certainly when I was in that place of legalism in my own life I thought that sin separated me from God I was on the other side and like you said the, the giant ping pong ball that kept getting dropped <laughs> yeah every time I sinned yeah I
1: mean I, I I for when I was a young minister um, I looked at sins like this and and I unfortunately sins a whole lot less than this if you want to put degrees on sins I'm not sure we should be doing that but um, I when I read this it rocked my world Um now, here's the reason it rocked my world. At the time, I was struggling with a what was a budding addiction with pornography at the time. And so I had been involved with pornography as a young man. Um it, I mean, I think maybe the first time I ever looked at pornography was maybe 7 years old. Yeah. Um somewhere in that neighborhood was sexually abused by a uh, Two family members um, uh, earlier than that from the time I can't remember how early, but probably three or four years old until, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, so I um, had put away that type of thing and and behavior uh, for several years and then... Um, here it was coming back. And, and I you're didn't a know. Pastor? It, and I'm a pastor at the time. And I have a wife and I have, you know, two kids. Um, and. Goodness gracious, you know, the, the then shame.
0: <laughs> then your church wants you to study the fifty first Psalm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: yeah, you talk about divine conspiracies. So you know, as I'm reading through this Psalm, and the Psalm is very, very deep, and I would love to take the time to go through it all, but we really can't. Um but when you when you first begin, David starts out by saying, Have mercy on me, O God according to your unfailing love. So he's saying, not according to my works, not according to my repentance even, um, out of your compassion. The word that he uses for God there is the exact same word that's used over 40 times or over 50 times in the first four chapters of Genesis, meaning the God who creates. So he's, he's talking specifically about God now, in a way that's not the God who judges necessarily, although it can be said of that, but he's talking about a God who creates and he uses the term over and over and over again. And and then once he gets down to um, verse 10 and he says, create in me a clean heart. And as I started reading that, create in me a pure heart, and I started digging into what's he really saying here? And ultimately what David is saying is, look, my heart is so bad, and and if you're a long listener of the show, I'm not saying that your heart is evil right now, this side of redemption, but David is saying, my heart is so bad, my heart feels so bad, there's nothing there for you to work with, God. And so you're going, the same God who created me in my mother's womb, he mentions there, the same God who created the world, that's the terminology that he's using, you're going to have to create in me something new to work with. Because I don't have anything here that's worthy of being worked with. There's not transformation in my way.
0: Having had similar struggles with you, um, with pornography in my own life,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That that makes all kinds of sense to me and gives me all kinds of hope that there is something because it seems totally desperate. Like you can't ever fix, you know, that you you make that agreement. Unfortunately, or I'd made that agreement, but here David is breaking that agreement and saying, "God, you can take something." And make it new. The, the amount of hope there is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, David realizes how horrible his sin is. He he does. And if you get into the to the rest of the psalm, he he talks about um, in in verse three: "For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me." So he's literally saying, "Everywhere I turn, I'm reminded of my sin." Um, it, you know, Bathsheba, did she have children? Outside of her marriage with David, we don't know. But he killed one of his close friends. He. What about his close friend that he killed? What, what about his family, other than Bathsheba? Um, did he have children? Did he have parents? Did he have, obviously he did, whether or not they were still alive, um, brothers, sisters, all of those friends. And so David, everywhere he turns, he's confronted with, oh my gosh, I killed those person's family member. I, I killed right, Bathsheba, my wife. I killed her husband. The child here that I had out of this adulterous relationship, ultimately that child will die. Um, and so he is fixed on this ongoing problem, the ongoing nature, the consequences we were talking about earlier and brian brought up that the consequences of of his sin is what he's struggling with here and he's saying i i'm powerless to do anything but god i think you can create something and take care of this
0: and not leave me or let my whole well
1: and that's where verse 10 and, and verse 11 When he says, create in me a pure heart, and then he says, renew a steadfast spirit. The word renew and the word create are two different words there. Um, And he's basically saying, you're going to have to create something in order to renew something else. And then he says, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, when I read that, that really did twist my brain literally almost out of my head and my heart as well. Because I, I, was, I felt like I was lost. Here I am standing up preaching every week, addicted to pornography or struggling with that and, and trying to not be, and I'm thinking, I'm lost as the day is long, and there is no way in the world God could love me. There's no amount of grace that could cover this amount of sin. And, and then I read this, and David is saying, don't take me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit away. Well, that may sound very simple, but the implication is God has not yet done that. And when that realization hit me, wait a minute, David committed murder, he committed adultery, he's living in an adulterous relationship, his sin is ever before him, he can't escape it. And yet, God has not taken His holy Spirit away from him. And that was the beginning of learning grace for me. I learned grace from the Old Testament, not so much from the New Testament.
0: And so just because we got to move through this, and I you know I almost feel like you're getting cheated not to hear all that Darren has to offer. The next part comes with wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. And there's some pictures in this that Darren's going to share. They're absolutely phenomenal. But I want you to hear what that repentance sounds like. You could hear it in David if you read the psalm. I'd really suggest you go read it as we're talking on the show today. But listen to this lady who really got caught in something. And then, oh, my gosh, God had not turned her face from her either.
2: And so that's when the heavy, heavy cocaine abuse came in and I just wanted to disappear. I remember just lighting that pipe and just looking forward to that hit. All of a sudden I heard my ears just ringing really loud and like everything went black. Like my eyes just shut down. My eyes were wide open but went black and I fell back and um, I was having a heart attack. The pain in my chest was like, my heart was going And it was like, I felt like somebody was stabbing me with a knife in my heart, but I couldn't see anything. And all I could remember was that, you know, there was nothing but blackness around me. And just, I realized, crap, I'm dying. I'm dying. And all I could remember is Jesus. That's all I could think about was God. And I saw my life literally flash before my eyes. And as I called Ivana's name, I just said, Jesus, Jesus. I'm I'm alone. I'm sorry. And come and get me. Save me from myself. I'm sorry. And all I could do was, like, say sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was a prostitute. I was so ashamed. And the ambulance came. They took me in the hospital. And the doctor came over and said, "Um, do you know how lucky you are? You have a lot of drugs in your system lady and you're allergic to narcotics and he's like god's with you and i knew i knew that um, jesus heard my prayer and so that's, that's when they that's
0: hit. that's the picture of wow she knew you could tell the confidence in her voice was the holy spirit had not been pulled from her she knew she had the a chance to call out still But she was wanting some cleansing, which you got to get to the next verse. I don't want our listeners to miss out on that.
1: Well, you know, verse one is David opens up with um, have mercy on me, um, according to your great compassion. And uh, but then in, in verse two, he says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And in that. That's the, the word that he uses, the word pitcher that he's using there is literally of, of a older a Hebrew woman going to a stream, a clear water stream um, with a rocky bottom and putting her clothes that she's washing for the family down under the water, completely engulfed, baptized um, into the water and trampling it under feet. And that, that's literally the, the terminology that he's using here. And, so he, and, and it's a lot of effort. It's a lot of work that goes into this is the term. Now, God is powerful, and he can save you in the blink of an eye with, with literally a, a word from the tongue or, or a breath from his mouth. But the term that David or the heartfeltness of David's plea here is, God, this is going to be a long process. You're going to have to do this over and over again. That's what that word carries with it.
0: Now, as, as you're listening to this, again, we're talking about people in our families. So if, if you're that picture of Jesus in your family, how, how can you treat that person in, in addiction with grace like that, where you really just want to help them? You really just want to love them, accept them, have grace for them, Jim? It's critical the the love that god has for us my favorite definition of hesed is the one who owes you nothing gives you everything